about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome to the Full Court Press. Happy Thursday to you one and all, however and where you're joining us from. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, 106 and FM, 1390 AM and 106.9thefan.com. Uh, great to have you all. Hope you're enjoying your Thursday, getting ready for what should be a nice long weekend. Uh, Labor Day is a time to rest, not to work. If you are, I wouldn't say privileged, but if you have a good job and they take good care of their employees, you should have Monday off. We have Monday off, Eric. Yeah, we're not going to be on the air. Heck no. I mean, do you want to be? I mean, we can be on the air if you want, though. I thought we were hanging out. You got other plans now. No, no. That's Tuesday. Monday, I'm free. Let's do it. No, you're not going to be available Tuesday. I'll, no, no, but Monday, I will be. Uh, I just lined up and confirmed a great interview for Tuesday. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. I don't know about this. This would be this would be exciting. This would be really fun. Can you give us a tease of what it could be? Because uh, I don't even know. You will love the content ah. of the interview. <laughs> I love the emphasized word. I'm excited. That'll be Tuesday evening. And it will be just the tip uh of the iceberg. Okay, you should have just left it where it was. Because <laughs> the first one was just fine. And then you had to go and screw it all up. <laughs> Uh, if you want to text into It'll our be show, about the Green Bay Packers. That's what I'm going to say. If you want to text into our show, you're more than welcome to. We'd love to have you be a part of it. However, and uh, whenever you can, uh, to tweet at us if uh, on Twitter, it's at Franson and at AJ Salvi. Uh, if you want to text, it's four three five three three nine zero three two one. Data rates and messages apply to you per contract of your service. Or if you want to call in, four three five seven five two one zero six nine. Hey. A little birdie told me just the other day. Yeah, that we are close to having our own app. No way, our own app. Wait, for really? The fan. It's come. It's coming. It's close. Like when you say close, like you can listen to us wherever you are. You can find our podcasts on the app. See, and that way, like our wonderful streamers, like Piranhas, who I love to death, will not have to worry about hey, is our stream working today or not. He'll be able to just go on the app and hopefully it'll be working. It'll be all dandy. <laughs> Let's cross our fingers and toes. Yeah, right. Uh, that's awesome, though. Yeah, it'd be great to have an app out there for all our wonderful fans outside of Cash Valley or wherever they're at to listen to and listen in. Um, Eric, let's get to a few things, uh, a couple controversial games. We talked about Game 7 between the Nuggets and Jazz being a really good game because they let the players decide the game. Instead of the refs getting a part of it, which they definitely could have at a lot of times, they decided, hey, let's just let these guys duke it out, finish it off, and whoever the last man standing is is your Game 7 winner and won't go on and face the Clippers. Yeah, and there were some times where there was some frustration, like, man, guys are hitting the deck and the refs aren't making these calls. But at the same time, you know, I'm okay with it because let the players play. Let them decide their own fate. And, boy, what a contrast from Tuesday night to Wednesday night. Totally opposite. Denver and Clippers, by the way, played tonight at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. That game's on TNT. Uh, but uh, just before them will, of course, be Toronto and Boston. That game is also on TNT. That is at 4.30 this afternoon. That series is split at one apiece. Uh, that you want to, By the way, you want to talk about like Slobberknocker, Last Man Standing. That Toronto-Boston series is where it's headed for. Those two teams are duking it out with each other. Unreal majorly. that the lower-seeded team in both series in the east has a 2-0 lead oh yeah good point i didn't think about that that's nuts that just is nuts to me uh the the number one and number two seeds are down it's i, I i'm not gonna say surprising is the word because i think honestly with the neutral court and we talked about this eric with the neutral court anything can happen right and i think that's kind of where we're at now uh which by the way now leads us uh to uh, game one of, I guess, sorry, game two of this series, game one, yesterday early, not early, late afternoon. And that is the ball game. Oh, mercy me. The final score. Miami 116, Milwaukee 114. I don't believe what I just saw. 
I don't think anybody else can believe what they just saw, too. The Bucks were, uh, excuse me, the Heat were cruising to a win, and then the Bucks put a, a furious rally on him. They pressured Jimmy Butler in the backcourt. He had two turnovers, including one where he threw away a ball, a really stupid pass, ends up getting picked off by Lopez. He lays it in. Uh, and then a foul on a three-point shot, which wins then, as a two-minute report, the whatever the report is, came out and said he indeed did foul him. Yeah, I know that was very controversial. Uh, the the announcers, the TV announcers, uh, were kind of split on it. Um, what's her name? Doris <laughs> Burke. Doris was going on and on about how she she was incredulous that uh, that it was a call. They bring on Steve Javi uh, as a, an official referee's opinion, a former referee, and he says, no, I agree with that. Oh, I could not disagree more. That was uh. She was really upset that it was a call. Look, when I watched it in real time and then when I watched the replays, it was the correct call. Yes, Goran Dragic goes straight up, but he goes straight up because he comes into the space where Middleton is, and Middleton doesn't have a place to come down. So... Yeah, he took away his landing zone. Referees are very conscious of that in the modern NBA. Uh, a lot of guys get called if you take away their landing zone. Um, he came in, and it's a really close call. I get it. Dragic is straight up and down, but as he comes into that space, he comes into Middleton and doesn't allow Middleton anywhere to land. And so, correctly called and get puts a Middleton on the free throw line for three free throws. He knocks all three all. Three free throws down, which leaves about 4.3 left on the clock, and that's when the Heat inbound. Uh, they give to Jimmy Butler. He's stuck in the corner near side uh, and goes up for a shot. Now, Giannis goes to at least challenge the shot, contest it. As he comes down, there's still no contact until he braces himself of Butler landing into him. And he puts his hand not really hard, just slightly onto his like rib cage for a split second. When you see it in real time, you're not even sure There's if it not makes a, contact. Yeah. So he puts it on his rib cage for just a split second, and then lets him go to the ground. They blow a whistle, and all of a sudden, Jimmy Butler goes to the line to shoot free throws with no time left on the clock. The Bucks were out of challenges, so they couldn't use it during then. And Jimmy Butler knocks down uh, both free throws, and Miami Heat come away 116-114 winners over the Milwaukee Bucks, and have now taken a stunning two games to none lead over Milwaukee. Were you surprised that the, the refs didn't put any additional time on the clock? No. Nope. Uh, based in, I, I think it's the right Because based on when the contact was made? Bingo, which was at the buzzer. Because they don't call it when he lets go of the ball. They call it when he's made contact, and he didn't make contact As he's coming down. After, yep. Bingo. Uh, Jay Crowder finished in 36 minutes, 5 of 13. He had 16. Gordon Drogic, how about this? Gordon Drogic led all Miami scores with 23 points in 34 minutes. He was 8 of 18 from the field, 4 of 8 from deep. He also had 4 assists and 2 steals along with 5 boards. So good work for him. Jimmy Butler had 13 on 3 of 8 shooting, 0 of 2 from deep, 7 of 8 from the line. And Tyler Harrow had 17 points, 3 of 8, 2 of 2, and 6 of 13 from the field. Eric, uh... Actually, before I get to you on this, Bucks really quickly, their line. Uh, Giannis had 29. He led all scores. Chris Middleton had 23. Lopez Bledsoe finished with 16. And Kyle Korver actually had a good shooting day. He was four, He had 14 points on 5 and 9. And you're the over the hill. George Hill had 14. Three rebounds, assist, and a steal. Yeah, he's still over the hill. <laughs> uh, Eric... Out of all the series that you that I mean, as you talked about the one seed struggling or the higher seed struggling, and Milwaukee was fifty six and seventeen. They had the best record in the NBA. Miami Heat got a late surge in the second half of the season, quote unquote, into the bubble, and that and that's why they're here. Are you surprised by this two zero lead from Miami Heat? I am, to be honest. Uh, I, I thought that uh, I'm not surprised that Milwaukee lost one because they lost one against Orlando, and they can maybe get a little overconfident and overlook opponents and not take them as seriously as they need to. So I wasn't surprised that they lost Game One because they've made a habit of that. Uh, but I was surprised in last night's outcome that the the Heat are up two nothing. This is a good Heat team. It's a well balanced team. Uh, uh, Bam out of Bayou. Uh, Butler, Crowder, Dragic. I mean, it's 
they've got a lot of guys that can play different roles. And so, uh, and this may be Spolstra's best coaching that he's ever done um, with the Miami Heat. Because before, when he's had great teams before, he's had tremendous all-star, top-level talent. Uh, what he's doing here, not to take away from the talent that he has, but they're not like top five players in the NBA. So it's impressive, really impressive what he's doing with this squad, with the Miami Heat, uh, how they dispatched uh, Indianapolis um, uh, to the Indiana Pacers, uh, how they're taking care of Milwaukee right now, how they're defending Giannis. It's it's very impressive to see what he's doing as a head coach and with this this squad. What is it with the Bucks that when they get to the playoffs, they can incredibly underachieve? I mean, look, they took care of the Magic, but they struggled in Game 1, took care of things in Game 2, but even Game 3, just they didn't look sharp. And now here they are down two games to zero. Is it the coach or is it the players not being mentally prepared? Uh, maybe a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, I, I think Boonholzer is a good coach. I've never thought of him as a great coach. He had good teams when he was at Atlanta, but he never went really deep. He's had good teams in Milwaukee, but he's never gone really deep. So I think of him as a good coach. I just don't know if he's a great coach. And I think that Eric Spolster is proving that he is the better coach. Yeah, and that's... And I, Eric, think, and I, I think, think he benefits Spolstra. from having the best player in this series, in Giannis, but I don't know that the rest of the team is really performing like they ought to. Eric Spolster has also had that experience, right? I mean, he's been through the mud whether it was LeBron James and Dwayne Weed and Chris Bosh over there with the Heat, where they lost to the Mavericks, beat the Thunder, the Spurs, and back-to-back championships, and lost the Spurs again. He just has that pedigree of playoff chart that Budenholzer does not have right yeah, now. Yeah. At least not as a head coach. And as assistant, he's been there, sure, under Greg Popovich, but not as a head coach. And you're seeing that right now. Uh, again, hey, somebody wife I was really impressed with Yeah. for Milwaukee that uh, I do want to, I think, deserve some credit is a former jazz man, Wesley Matthews. Oh, Defensive job that he was doing on Butler was really impressive. Butler in game one went for, what, 40 points? Yep. And in this one, he only put up 13. No, uh, sorry. Yeah, 13 points. And a lot of that was because of the defense by Wesley Matthews. So um, I, I was impressed with him and what he was doing. There were some good things that, that Milwaukee did, but not enough. Yeah, and, and again, that's been kind of the theme of the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs is good, but not enough. Eric, if they fall in the second round, if they do, and it's it's a seven-game series, so as you saw the Jazz three up three games to one versus Denver, anything can happen, and it's not over till it's over. But if they fall in this series, this will probably be one of the more disappointing endings for an NBA playoff team in playoff history, or at least in recent memory. I mean, I'll look at the 79 oh, yeah. words. But this team was loaded, and they still are loaded. And if they fall to a Jimmy Butler really led Heat team win, or led Heat team, and and the Heat win this series, boy, there's going to be a lot of questions on, on Boonholzer's credibility and his le- the legitimacy of him as a head coach if he's even capable of doing it because he can't get his team through the playoffs, even with the loaded roster like with Giannis on there. Yeah, and I think some people are already trying to jump on this bandwagon that Giannis is going to leave. Uh, I'm not it, quite it, there it, yet. I, I don't think that he would do that. I think that he's he appears to be pretty loyal and, and happy with where he's at. But if it's an early exit again, uh, uh, you, you miss out on a, a trip to the finals based on the year that you've had and the couple of years that you've had. Um, yeah, I think that that pressure does mount and more people are in his ear to go somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, man, it's surprising that uh, this this Bucks team, as good as they were during the regular season, are, are not really taking care of business in this series against the Heat. And you know what? You look at uh, one of the big keys, I think, is that uh, uh, they've, they've effectively put up this wall against Giannis. They don't allow him to get downhill on them. And also, they're taking away the three. Uh, Milwaukee only attempted 25 three-point shots last night, and, and of those 25, only made seven. You know, The Jazz usually make about 20 three-point yeah. shots, and these guys attempted only 25. So uh, I was surprised to see Milwaukee only make seven three-point shots. So that was, that's probably going to be changing in this series. If they want any chance, it has to change. 
in my opinion. If they want any chance, the way that this playoff bubble has been, it's a shooter's dream. They're going to have to change something about that if they want any chance. Well, and the leading three-point guy last night for Milwaukee is their center. Yeah. Brooke Lopez was three of five. Chris Middleton, who was supposed to be the three-point sharpshooter, was 0 for 3. So, yeah, there's going to be some changes. There'll be some tweaks. Boy, they better make some changes really quickly, too. Uh, meanwhile, Game 7, Houston and Oklahoma City was a dogfight as well. Uh, final call here uh, on KTRH. 1.1 to go in Game 7. Rockets up two. Thunder with the ball and a chance to tie or win. Here we go. Gilgis Alexander looking to get it in. Comes into Adams. Broken up by Westbrook. Picked up by Tucker and the Rockets win the game. They have beaten the Oklahoma City Thunder and they're moving on to face the Lakers in the Western Conference semifinals. It wasn't pretty, but holy heck was it dramatic late tonight in Game 7. Couldn't tell that was the Rockets radio network. <laughs> uh, final score, 104-102. Rockets get it done as they, according to this guy at least, they upset Oklahoma City Thunder in the bubble. Um, again, we have to have the conversation about the referees. Like, Mark Davis got all the attention in the world after the Milwaukee Heat, or the Milwaukee Heat game. And then Scott Foster's like, well, hold my root beer <laughs> and let me see if I can do you one better. Oh, my. Word. And he steps on everybody's toes in the final minute. Like I mean, anybody he could get a hold of and blow a whistle on, he was aiming for. The reviews, the calls, the challenges, the free throws, that last minute of game time took forever. And it was, re- yeah, it was really ridiculous. Oh, my word. Uh, James Harden had a nightmarish offensive night. In 37 minutes, 4-17 from the field. He was only 1-9 from deep. 89 from the charity stripe. He does finish with 17 points, two steals, nine assists, three rebounds, and uh, three blocks. One of them becoming major. The chase down to, I believe, was it Schroeder or was it SGA that he blocked? It was Dort. Oh, was it Dort? That's okay. Yeah. So he uh, just, the fact that he was aware, because to get there, he had to see the pass coming based on space of where what him and Dort had. And for him to get over there as quick as he did, Get well, his arm the, up and contest shot and then block it. Yeah. In itself. But then that was impressive. But then <laughs> but then he turns around and uh the attempt to throw off Harden's legs. And Harden's able to uh avoid the bounce off his legs. Ball goes through his legs, goes out of bounds. But then what was like Chris Paul said there was a timeout that they thought they had called, but because the the Oklahoma City player was in bounds, or to me was out of bounds, and then came back into play and touched the ball. Went back to Oklahoma City, so he went from one point seven on the clock, or excuse me, we went from point six to one point seven to two point six on the clock. <laughs> that whole thing was so crazy with a, a, a potential foul call on an inbounds play. You know, did they call the timeout first, or was the foul called first? They have to review that. They determine. Oh, I guess the foul was actually called first. So Danilo Gallinari. Goes to shoot a free throw, which he misses, which, you know, that was pretty big. If he makes that, and then they convert on the possession, they, they take the lead. Um, man, that the referees were all over the, the, the last little bit there of that game, and it made it really hard to watch. But you know what? It, it, it takes courage to make the right call when the right call needs to be made. And uh, I got to be honest, they were... Those were all calls that all needed to be made. I don't think there were any wrong calls. It just, it was just weird how on Tuesday night there was a lot of physicality between the Jazz and the and the uh, and the Nuggets, and you could claim there should have been more calls made there, but uh, the players played it out. But in the in the situation with last night, the way it played out, played out in those two games, the right calls were made. But should the should the refs have swallowed their whistles more? Um, I I would probably say yes. Um, let them play, especially in a game seven. Let the players determine their own fate. Uh, but you know what? Oklahoma City had their chances. They squandered possessions and opportunities late. Not that Houston did necessarily a lot better, but they were a little bit more in control in how they handled the last few moments of the game. So... 
you have to give it to Houston. Hey. As disappointing as I as disappointed as I am to see Houston advance, I wanted to see Oklahoma City win, but I just thought that Houston was a little more in control of how they determined that out their outcome. For uh, Dort, he had a career best thirty points for the Thunder. Chris Paul ended up with a triple double of nineteen, twelve, and eleven. Not too shabby for him. This this series was so weird, and it really it kind of themed Game Seven. I mean, you think about it, Eric. Rockets won Game One and Two easily. Then won Game Five by thirty four. Oklahoma City won Game what was it Game Three in overtime, but they outscored Houston fifteen to three in that overtime, which was the largest overtime point differential in NBA history. They won Game Four by three, and they won Game Six by four. So Game Seven was going to be a dogfight, and as you said. Oklahoma City really had a great chance to win this, mainly because of the poor shooting of James Harden. If James Harden is not shooting that well, more often than not, does Houston end up losing those games. And Dort, out of all the people, Dort has 30 points, and they still can't take care of business. Gallinari only had 4 points, Eric. He missed that crucial free throw, too. But in 27 minutes, 2 of 6. He was 0-3 from deep, 0-1 from the line, 9 boards, 1 assist. Steven Adams had 10 points, 34 minutes, 4-6 from the field. Uh, Chris Paul had 19. SGA had 19. Um, off the bench, it was Baisley with 2, Noel with 2, and Schroeder with 12. Like, just no help at all. And and, and that's amazing that the, that the Thunder couldn't take advantage of such bad shooting from not only Harden, but a couple other guys as well. No, no help? Who no had help. no help? Chris Paul had no help? Yeah, I mean, look, he got... Shea Gilgis-Alexander played great. Dort was out of his mind. Yeah, Dort was out of his mind. Schroeder... she has 19. Schroeder had... He had a couple that at the rim that just rolled out. It, it should have gone in. Yeah, it should have, But he was still... He was still, I mean, 12, 6, and 5 off the bench. Yeah, that's pretty good. Here's the problem. If James Harden is not shooting well, this team rarely wins. Now, granted, but Covington, it's kind of like that Denver Jazz series. Covington, 21. Russell Westbrook had 20. Uh, Eric Gordon had 21. And Harden had 17. But again, he was 1-9 from deep and 4-15 from the field. Green had 13. Like, Green, for some reason, after leaving Utah and going to Houston, found life again. Yeah, that's just mind to watch. Me. Yeah. I mean, good for him that he's, whatever, he's found a home. But like, where was that? When he was in a, yeah, jazz, when he was uniform. In a jazz uniform. Hey, did Austin Rivers get hurt? No, he played. Not yeah, much. But, but I mean, that's the thing. He's only played seven minutes. And he was ineffective. They were going for a short rotation, and, and I, mean, I don't Rute know. Didn't play. I don't know that he was hurt, but I saw him play, and he didn't look hurt. Of course, Tyson Chandler isn't going to play. They were seventeen of forty-nine from deep, <laughs> and 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 uh, Oklahoma City was sixteen of thirty-four. Thunder had 21 free throws. He went sick. Dude, that makes you sick. 16 to 21 from the charity strap, and he lost by two. That- I was surprised that Gallinari went to shoot that free throw at the end. Yeah, he I had thought been it was the Chris line Paul. all day. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Chris Paul. Paul had already done well at the line earlier. I thought it was going to be Chris Paul. I was I was surprised by that. I mean, it ultimately didn't determine the outcome, but no. But I think it helps your morale. You get one point, man, you're closer. We can play for the win, not just for the tie. Hey, can we talk about the final play really quickly? Like That inbounds play? What in the fetch is Steven Adams doing in there? I don't know. And then they well, throw why it they to Steven Adams. Him. They had nothing in the paint. <laughs> he has his guy pinned. All you got to do is lob it to the hoop. Yeah. There's no one to stop. If you're Gallinari, you pin someone against against like the top of the perimeter with Adams out of the key, and you just dart to the rim. Well, you know that couldn't have been their first option. The way that played out. What was their first option there's, then, there's dude? There's no way that... Was it Steven Adams? Steven Adams coming up to the three-point line <laughs> with 1.1 to go, unless it was give it to him and he gives it right back to Gilgis Alexander. He didn't even get a chance. But no, that was that was totally botched. Like I said, the, he, Oklahoma City had their opportunities. The possession before, Chris Paul with the ball with like 15 seconds to go, messes up how that play goes. Western Westbrook gets his paws on it, locks it loose, and they're kind of scrambling. So Oklahoma City had their opportunities, and they messed it up. Was that the possession where like the ball was bouncing both ways? There was like a loose ball for at least six seconds. Steven Adams, or Steven Adams hits the court. The ball looked like it was backcourt, uh, falls loose, and then I think you're right. Chris Paul picked it up, but then he lost it against Russell Westbrook. Westbrook picked it up, and I think... Uh, 
In fact, was the last bucket, if I'm not mistaken, like the last field goal, was that a, was that from Tucker with like 42 seconds left or something? I got to look this up really quickly. Yeah, dude, the last bucket of the game was with one minute and 25 seconds remaining. It was a P.J. Tucker floater to make it 103-102. That was the last field goal of that game. And as you brought up, there was just so many opportunities for Oklahoma City to get a chance to score, and they couldn't. It was turnovers, it was bad passes, it was uh, unorganized offense. That's unreal. Like, if you're Oklahoma City, you're kind of sick about this. So, the qu- the question now, Eric, becomes, uh, they got a ton of young talent. Chris Paul's value skyrocketed by just playing with this team alone. They have several, I know, they actually have two number one picks, which both I don't think either of them could be lottery, right? I don't think either of those are lottery picks now based on where the draft picks fell. But they have two number one picks. So, Well, the thing is that Houston mortgaged a lot to get um, Russell Westbrook. They gave up a lot of future picks to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has some good young talent now, and they're going to have a lot of picks at their disposal to continue to build or to use as trade uh, opportunities for the next several years. So Oklahoma City is in a good position, a really good position to be a, a, a team that uh, they're developing some good people. Uh, how long does Chris Paul stay there? Does he? Is this his new home? Does he go somewhere else? Does he still has value in the league? Or does he continue to mentor Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Dennis Schroeder uh, into the future of Oklahoma City? And what else do they do with some of their other uh, young pieces that they have available now? So Oklahoma City has one first-round pick. They had two, but based on the draft order and where it went, Philadelphia picks up the 21st pick. That comes from the Oklahoma City-Orlando-Philadelphia trade. So it ends up going back to Philadelphia in the first place. So OKC only has one first-round pick as I'm looking at it. Yep, one first-round pick. But, again, and then here's the other question. Billy Donovan. I thought he did a good coaching job based on what he had. Oh, absolutely. But there are some Oklahoma City Thunder fans that want him gone. What? No. To reset, that's... reload, and try something else. But I think that's just They're on bonkers. Drugs. They're on drugs. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that What was it? That team had a a 1.2% chance of making the playoffs 1.4. before the season began. 1.4. According to ESPN. Yep. And they legit had a chance to go to the second round of the NBA playoffs. So <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's you want to hold on to that guy. So I mean, there's some people saying, "Oh, it's more Chris Paul than than Billy Donovan," but I don't know about that. Uh, Chris Paul, do you keep him then, or do you use him as trade bait with a first round pick? I guess you don't have a first round pick, but do you use him as trade bait with a draft pick? Wow, what's his salary and contract situation? I don't think it's large, is it? Help me out on this one. I, I don't think it's large. Maybe it is. Maybe his maybe the next season is where it bumps up just a tad bit. Because based on his salary, but someone's gonna have to I mean it's gonna have to be draft pick and cash consideration. There's no way. Chris Paul is under contract. He does have a uh, uh, one more guaranteed season at forty one point three five eight million. <laughs> Second highest paid player in the NBA, by the way. And there is a player option for a twenty one twenty two. As six for forty four million. As six two nine four just texted in on cue. Chris Paul's contract is horrendous. <laughs> I would absolutely agree with you, six two nine four. I I didn't know it was that bad. Forty two million? Uh it was thirty eight and a half this year. It goes up to forty one point three next year. Um and then a player option to forty four point two. In 21 and 22. <laughs> Who's going to take that? Who's going to say, hey, even with the first round pick, hey, do you want Chris Paul in the uh, first round pick? Yeah, sure. What's his contract? So you're going to owe him $42 million next year. Click. Unless they're going to take cash consideration, which would be stupid in their head to waste cash on the guy. It, that- uh, I think Oklahoma City keeps him, and they, they have young, cheap talent that they're developing. Yeah. And then when his contract expires, when his playing days wind down now they've got 
somebody who's learned from a good mentor. They've had playoff experience. They've got these draft picks that they're used to bring in other people, and they can build a team so that when his contract comes off the books, they're ready to go to the next level. Do you remember when we were actually begging for Daniel Gallinari here in Utah? <laughs> Him and Tobias Harris, and we were like, oh, man, which one should we get, Daniel or, or Danilo or uh, Tobias? I mean, both are incredibly good. Well, and- the Jazz wanted to... Uh- Gallinari to be their target if Hayward was going to move. And they were sitting on Gallinari, and, and Gallinari was sitting on Utah. You're right. Yeah. Because they waited too long, and Gordon Hayward took forever. They didn't get Gallinari. I look at that as a past, and I say, man, I'm glad we avoided it. Because he has not been what they were hoping for in Oklahoma City. No. Where he was in uh, he was in L.A. before LA that, Clippers, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. And he was good. He was really good. And they got him for semi-cheap over there in Oklahoma City. But, boy, he has not turned out to be the hope and the value that they thought he would be. That's a major disappointment. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, Oklahoma City is a young team, like you said, a lot of prospects and a lot of good talent. They proved themselves this year. I think in their second year with that more experience, they could be, uh, they could be a, very, a very viable contending uh, team in the Western Conference. I don't know if they contend for an NBA championship, but just in the Western Conference himself. By the way, Danilo Gallinari has an expiring contract. Of what? He's going to be free agent this year. No, he's not. Yep. What was he getting paid? Do you have that? Uh, 22.6. Dude, they got him for so freaking cheap. Okay. Well, that's cheap. I mean, that's a that's a pretty hefty number. Well, for but... Danilo Gallinari, though, that I mean, looking at what I say cheap based on value. But let me ask you something. They're paying Steven Adams 25.8 this year, and he gets 27.5 next year. Dude, Steven Adams is worth it, though, dude. Like, they shipped out Enos Cantor. I love that guy. I love Steven. Like, do you remember the time when Jay Crouch just elbowed him and broke his nose, and he's like, huh? Anyways, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even phase him. Didn't even phase the dude. He is a monster. And you know what? He's a good basketball player, too. He really is. Yeah. I know it doesn't show. Because based on where he's at and the position he plays and how the system works in OKC, but boy, he is extremely bad. And when him and Cantor on the court, as much as I hate Enos Cantor, they were good. They were actually really good. Uh, Would you take Daniel Gallinari or Derek Jones Jr. in free agency if you had the choice? Uh, Derek Jones Jr. Uh, That's probably who I would take. I'm with you. I think he's younger. Because he's young. Uh, I think he's got some upside to him. I think um, I think I, he could be that other 3 and D guy yeah, that the Jazz are looking for. Need. I don't think Gallinari is really – he's no. a 3, but he's and not he's, a 3 and D. And he's proving it too, by the way. He's proving exactly what you were saying. Oh, by the way – Gallinari get, would be a nice addition as like a stretch four yeah. to have available, but what the Jazz need is a 3 and D guy. A stretch wing, and Derek Jones could be that guy. So, by the way, I was uh, we're, we got some new content coming onto our uh, our online site, our website, uh, starring Ethan Durstiller of the NFL. He interviewed Spencer Cox today, and he asked him about Rudy Gobert. And I was extremely disappointed when he said word for word what you said yesterday about Rudy Gobert. <laughs> he said, "You're disappointed honestly, that you're, nearly word not for everybody word." Everybody agrees with you. That other people have... What you said about Rudy... I, honestly, and he started exactly how you started. Well, he is a taller guy. Seven-foot guys after two years don't last long. And a Supermax contract of two-something million probably wouldn't be as much of value in two... And I was just like, what the fetch is going on here? <laughs> I was not thrilled. I nearly had to stop the podcast. Uh, stay tuned for that podcast. It's going to be coming up soon. Uh, you'll be... Uh, the Lieutenant Governor... Uh, Spencer Cox will be joining Ethan Dursteller. Uh, it's, it's this podcast will be called More Than a Game. Um, you're gonna love it, every single bit of it. You're gonna love it. All right, we are way overdue for a break, but really quickly before we go to break, for those traveling, southbound traffic in Starting Canyon was temporarily reopened to let some vehicles through uh, the Dry Lake area where crews are putting a, out a semi truck fire. However, the canyon still remains closed to all southbound traffic until crews have the scene completely cleared. Uh, I would say it would maybe take a while too. So, 
Uh, yeah, there was a truck with some hay on it that caught fire. Oh. I understand that it it was some threat to uh, spread to the uh, off the road, but I think they contained that pretty well. That's kind of contributed to why it's taking them so long to get traffic flowing again. So that, be careful. That, that's really scary. Jeez, if you're, hay's if you're planning on, fire on going now? south, take Valley View Highway. Go over to, the tree, uh, over to Tremont and get onto I-15 that way. It's probably your safer bet, probably a quicker bet at this point. We're going to get into more news and NBA notes, including who is one NBA Rookie of the Year. Yeah, just came out. Just came out. We'll get you that news and more notes on the NBA coming up here on the Full Court Press. 106.9 The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Full Court Press, Eric France and Andre Salveson on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM and streaming on 106.9thefan.com. Uh, if you missed it uh, earlier in the show, Eric uh, was talking about how we... We'll have an app coming soon on 106 and the fan. So you'll be able to just on your phone, click at the button, wherever and wherever you're at, just tune in. And there you'll hear us. Eric and I. Eric and myself. I'm excited about that. Yeah, we'll uh, make sure we make a big deal about it when it gets released. My dad won't even listen. When we know though. for sure that it Dude, works. Do you know what's sad that your dad doesn't listen to your own show? Not yours, mine. That's so depressing. <laughs> and he and then he tells you it's because of you. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I turn over there. Uh, the Rookie of the Year voting has came out for the 2019-20 season. And surprise, surprise, gaining 99 first place votes. So he was all but one short of being unanimous Rookie of the Year. Goes to, from Memphis, guard John Morant. Who oh, I thought it was going to be Bradley. No, I thought it was going to be freaking uh, Terrence Davis from... Uh, Juwan Morgan. Hey, just because you love him. Hey, I, I think this is absolutely the right call. Hey, okay, okay, so that's the right Williams call. didn't play enough games. But he only, he only got one vote, dude. The guy nearly took his team to the playoffs, and he gets one vote. Yeah, but John Morant did take his team to the playoffs. Okay, no, I'm saying that. I'm sorry, I say that. I sorry. Clarification. I say that because Kendrick Nunn of Miami got second place. He right. Got 56. Uh, well, how many votes. games did Zion play, dude? It does, yeah, but still, in that amount of games, he was so much more impactful than Kendrick Nunn was for Miami. Like he nearly Zion Williamson alone. Nearly took his team to the playoffs. Well, no, That's you're, incredible. You're not giving enough credence to what Brandon Ingram was doing, and JJ Redick was doing, and Derek Favors were doing. Okay, Derek Favors doesn't get credit. And don't give no Derek Favors doesn't get Drew credit. Drew Holiday for, was doing. And don't give J. Rue Holiday either. Those two guys don't get credit. Redick, sure. Ingram, sure. But not. I'm not taking anything away from Zion Williamson. He's an explosive player. He's an impact player. But he didn't play enough games in my mind to be considered as a rookie of the year. Considered? No. Considered. <laughs> what did he play? Twenty games? Yeah, but dude, in the twenty game I don't know, he played more than twenty games. Did but he still? I think so. I don't know. I don't have the definite numbers right now. Well, he didn't even play half the games in the bubble. Dude, he was still incredibly effective. Like Again, he nearly. But you want to so if he give it to somebody based to, on what their body of work over a season. Okay, so wait, hold on. Not Zion Williamson takes his team, and remember, this was all done before the bubble started. This wasn't even given granted in the bubble. Yeah, true. So yep. if if it does give credit to the bubble, Zion Williamson wins Rookie of the Year or <laughs> John Morant. No, absolutely, absolutely wrong. Where's that paper that John Russell wrote up? It's over there somewhere. Yeah, it's somewhere. Right you are here. wrong. We need. You know. You know what we should create? We need like a banner in here. No, 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 no. A no, sign. No. Shh, I turn quiet, on. Quite, quite. I got an idea. Do you know what we should do? We should create a "You Are Wrong" segment. <laughs> so over the weekend, so every Monday, "You Are Wrong" or "We're Wrong." We play it back. Sponsored by John Russell. <laughs> <laughs> every time we had a hot take or a claim, <laughs> proves to be incorrect. We're gonna we're gonna get some audio where it says "You Are Wrong." Uh, we need to get John Russell in here to do that audio too. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. John Morant wins Rookie of the Year. Good for him. In three to four years, Zion Williamson will be a better player than John Morant. I disagree. That's crazy. That's Only bonkers. because 
I don't know that Zion Williamson is going to have is going to play full seasons. Why? The guy's got a history of medical problems, injury problems. A history? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be doing much in four years. Wait, a history? I don't huh? think he's going to play a full season. I didn't know he had. He- in the I didn't NBA. know he had injury problems at Duke. He did. He, I mean, he hurt his foot, what, his senior year or whatever? Still came back for the NCAA tournament? Um, But here's the thing. Like, John Morant is a, is a good basketball player, sure. But he's playing for Memphis. And I don't think And John he got Mar- that team to the playoffs when nobody thought that team was going anywhere. Give that guy some credit. Did you see the 7th, 8th, and ninth spots? Highly competitive. <laughs> You're taking away from the Portland Trailblazers? <laughs> yeah, the same you take Port- away from the, the same San Portland Antonio team Spurs? that got whacked by the Lakers four games to one? Because, because Damian Lillard was shooting every time he touched the ball? Look, John Morant's a good basketball player, but I'm telling you, based like I think a player is more than just middle score points. He makes his team better. Yeah, Zion John Williams, Morant does. No, he doesn't. He's a facilitator. Come on. He but helps he, the guys around him. But he can he consistently score? Can he be a playmaker? He is a playmaker. As, as the definition of the position he plays and how he plays, he is a playmaker. Zion Williamson will make his team better in that they will win games and get to the playoffs. Because they'll have to do it without him. What are you talking about? For large about? stretches. Because you're predicting injury upon a guy? That's yeah. horrible. That's that's not even close. I don't wish it upon him, but I'm just saying that based on his track record. His track record of what injuries? He's had, what, one major injury? And we're going to just base it off of that? He'll have more. Mark it down. Okay, so then, okay then, crystal ball dude. How long does he last in the league? Over and under is five and a half years. Uh, I'll take the over, but he won't play full seasons. He may have one here or there that he does, but he won't be a full season guy. What's a full season to you? Um, 70 games or more. 70 plus, huh? That's a good realm. That's a good realm for that. Because lots of guys get yeah. hurt. You know, they roll an ankle. I was going to say, sick. if you're saying 82 games, then dude, you're like, yeah. that's it, way Anymore to say 82 games is a full season for anybody is ridiculous, especially in this era of load management. Hmm. Uh, Brandon Clark of Memphis finishes in fourth. Uh, and Colby White of Chicago, Eric Pascal, Terrence Davis, and R.J. Barrett round. I'm surprised R.J. Barrett didn't get more love. Yeah. A lot further down especially, on the list Yeah, than I especially over Terrence Davis and Eric Pascal of Golden State. Uh, I just got a text here, Eric, from a friend, and he says, Love you, my friend, but you are so wrong about Jean Morant. What am I wrong about? That I think Zion's going to be a better player than him in four years? That you don't think that he's a playmaker? He's not an all-around playmaker. There's a difference. There's a guy who can okay, be Okay, how do you define a playmaker then? A guy who can distribute but yet score consistently. John Morant That can. sounds like John Morant. John Morant got a lot of help from some pretty good players around him. Zion didn't have a lot of help. What? Oh, gosh. J.J. Redick was inconsistent. Brandon Ingram showed up in the bubble. Hello, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram was the most improved player of the year. I know, but there wasn't a really big list. What are you talking about? There wasn't a big list. There wasn't a big <laughs> list. I love you, but there was. <laughs> I love you, but <laughs> there's no way. Hey, um, can we go to something else real quick? Are you talking about girls soccer? No. Okay, yeah. We do need it. to get to that. No, yeah, we will after our break, yeah. A lot of noise about this study from Penn State. About 30% of their athletes who were tested for COVID-19, who tested positive, tested or had this uh, myocarditis, if I said that right. Mm -hmm. It's the inflammation of the heart. There's a lot of concern with that in in football, especially with these athletes. And if they get COVID, uh, COVID itself isn't really a problem for the athletes, but the potential for long-term health effects and how it relates to the heart could be. And there was a lot of noise about this this, uh, Penn State study so 30 to 35% of uh, the athletes have it. Well, now the doctor who did the study is uh, wa- walking that back. No, he's not. Are you serious? Saying that um, uh, he didn't intend for that to be published. 
Um, he wants to clarify it. He wants oh, to apologize for any confusion. No, don't do that. Are you kidding me? At this time, there have been no cases of myocarditis and COVID-19 positive student-athletes at Penn State. Oh, shoot. Someone's going to be in trouble. Wow. Who do you so think that's- that news okay, coupled so with the, the that- Pac-12 news today may be most encouraging thing for the Big Ten and moving forward. Okay, so, but, okay, so wait. Here's my question for you. Is it the – who's giving him – the instructions to say that. Do you think that's him, the self, the doctor saying that? Or is that somebody in his ear, higher up guy saying, you better fix this. We're this close to playing football this fall. Don't you dare screw it up. Fix what you're saying. You're going to lose your job. I don't know. How does that happen? Yeah, How does that, somebody that's say thing. That's so 30 odd. to 35% of the people we tested have this condition? And then you say, actually, nobody had that condition. Dude, that you can't do, you can't do that. How does that happen? You can't do that. <laughs> Dude, someone's got to be in his ear. Like, well, it, it, one way or the other. Someone could have been in his ear like, hey, you, look, this, there's movement here. You know, The president's getting involved. We're going to be political pawns and restarting football. We don't think we should. Oh, yeah, 30, 35% of everybody oh. tested has this thing. And then oh, that makes me want to throw later, up. Uh, scratch his head. Turns out, scratch his chin. Um... <laughs> Nobody really had anything. <laughs> uh, we got some major college football news uh, with Pac-12, Big Ten. We're going to get into that in the second hour. Um, by the way, really quick, we want to get your thoughts on this, Eric, and maybe it's a it's a teaser to a longer discussion we'll have if we need to. Steve Nash will be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets uh, upcoming, as uh, has been reported. I don't, have the Brooklyn Nets announced it yet? They haven't announced yes, it. Yes, they have. Okay, they have. Yeah, it's official. So out goes Jock Vaughn, who actually did a pretty nice job, and in comes Steve Nash. Well, Jock Vaughn isn't out. He's just not the head coach. He was the interim head coach. He's still on the staff. So he's probably like associate head coach then, huh? Yes. Uh, does Eric like he? Uh, Sure. You do not sound confident when you uh, said that. I mean, I don't. I don't know about his coaching credentials. I know he did some things with the Golden State with player development. I know he's been involved with the Canadian national team. I know he's been involved with some things on a executive level with, with basketball. Man, really smart basketball player, high IQ. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. He's been an Olympian. Um, you, you can't argue against his credentials as a player. Um but here's the but, thing. And I know he's worked out personally with Kevin Durant uh, in the offseason. So I know he's got a uh, – it looks like he's got a great relationship with the star players on that team. And I think that, that goes a long way. But here's the thing. Derek Fisher didn't work out. Jason Kidd didn't work out. Like there's a worrisome, and it's been an, it there's it's been a worrisome since Mark Jackson didn't work out. Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson didn't work out. Magic Johnson didn't work out as a head coach. Michael Jordan hasn't worked out as an owner. There's a worrisome. What? For, Michael I, Jordan hasn't worked out as an owner. Yeah, or yeah, owner of the what Hornets now? Bobcats, yeah. Stingers, whatever they are. He's doing all right. No, he's not. The team management has not been great. Eric, it's it's on him. Okay. He makes the coaching decisions. He makes the player decisions. When's the last time they've actually been a competitive team in a weak Eastern Conference? Does Gail Miller make the player decisions for the Utah got, Jazz? She, that's different. Don't that's why you have a no, management team. No, that's why you have an executive team. No, it's team. different for every franchise. Don't compare Gail Miller with Michael Jordan. Now, Larry oh, Miller. How many owners are no, in the middle of Larry every player H. decision? Oh, Larry H. Miller was. Right? Larry H. Miller was pretty I mean, damn yes, involved. they have. They have a say ultimately about finances. And what I mean, what players come and go. Larry H. Miller was making and extending contracts or ex nating contracts personally with players. Like, right? John Stockton sit in the office and do a contract with him. It wasn't Jerry Sloan, it was Larry Miller. I will give you that. Some and Steve Ballmer for the Clippers, I would say probably has a heavy impact. Mark Cuban has an impact. Okay, but we're getting away from the point here, and that is that sometimes when a player goes directly from being a not directly, but when you uh, when an NBA team hires a former player to be the coach without any coaching experience, uh, it hasn't always worked out. True. Now Doc Rivers, that's worked out just fine. Steve Kerr, that's worked out great. 
So there are cases where it has worked out well. There's a lot of cases where it hasn't. But I really take issue with Stephen A. Smith today saying it's only because of white That's privilege. stupid. That's And I'm getting really tired of that conversation. That needs to stop. It's not because he's white. It's because he's he's got potential to be a good coach. Uh, let's take a break. Coming back, RPI Girls Soccer, as, uh, it looks like it's been listed. So we're going to take a look at that and then close up the first hour. Get ready for hour number two here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. 90 seconds, closing up the first hour here of the Full Court Press. Eric Franson there, I'm AJ South, and thanks for joining us however and wherever you are doing so. And if you want to catch our podcast, past shows, recent shows, interviews included, go on to our podcast platform, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. You can find our show, just type in Eric's name or my name in the Full Court Press. Or, of course, go on to 106onthefan.com, and it has all the content included in the podcast section. Eric, 60 seconds left. Uh, girls RPI Soccer. Girls Soccer has the RPI. Utah High School Activities Association has revealed the, the first RPI rankings for the season for girls soccer. Cache Valley School is doing very well. Green awesome. Canyon, number one. Awesome. Skyview, number three. Logan, number five. Mountain Crest, number seven. Ridgeline number 10. So five of the six Region 11 teams in the top 10, sadly Bear River near the bottom at 20. But um, still bodes very well for a really good soccer being played in Region 11. And uh, Green Canyon on top. That's five awesome. And one. Skyview's uh, six and one. Logan is five and three. Mountain Crest four and three. Uh, Ridgeline is six and three. So some good soccer being played. Good Imagine job, girls. back in the days, back in the early thousands, when uh, those teams would be uh, competing in 4A against some of the best. And they've routinely played for the state championship, too. We'll go back to the second hour coming up here on The Fan. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Last night's Heat Bucks playoff game ended in a most unspectacular fashion. Miami's Jimmy Butler was lightly fouled with no time left in a tie game. He hit the free throws to clinch the win, giving the Heat a 2 0 series advantage. But maybe there was some karma. Milwaukee tied it when Chris Middleton was fouled on a three-pointer. That call was very dicey as well. Social media was brutal after the game, but as frustrating as it was, how great is it that we can watch basketball and still complain? That's not an excuse. Officials should always aspire to be better, and I feel bad for the Bucks fans. But these are luxury problems for the casual fan who went months without games. Same can be said for baseball and hockey, and can't wait to go after the NFL officials when the season starts. Complaining about refereeing is an essential part of being a sports fan. Did they ruin the Heat Bucks game? Maybe a little, but at least there was an exciting, hard-fought game to ruin. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is I'm Dan Patrick.